Welcome, everyone, to a very, very special Empower Man podcast. It's your boy, Mikey G, coming to you live from the very, very, very free state of Florida. And this morning, because normally we film at night, we are doing a special morning episode. I am joined by the man who never accepts a plea deal. (laughs) I'm joined by the man whose definition of a sweetheart deal is begging his two kids to go to bed early so daddy can go to the gym and do chest and buys. He is the man who trapped R. Kelly in the closet. He's the champion of the Second Amendment. He's my boy and yours. Let's give it up for Greg A. Tador, sir. We are also joined by a very special guest. He's making his Empower Man podcast return. Part two. Part two. He is one of the best strength and conditioning coaches anywhere in the world. He is a world-renowned expert on the benefits of fasting. He is the master of mind mapping. He's a patriot. He's a parent. He's a friend. Welcome back to the Empower Man podcast, sir. The panda man himself, Kyle Newell. Gentlemen, good morning. How are we doing this Thursday? Awesome, man. I love the intro. Thank you. I'm I'm glad to be here. Awesome. We're glad to have you back for part two because our minds were blown and we got a lot lot of questions for you today. Sure, man. Well, Kyle, ever since you were on the first time, um, you've had an influence on our boy, Greggy T, who is affectionately known as the Panda Man's Apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) And Greggy T, share with the audience again some of your fasting experiences. And obviously with Kyle being on here, we can kind of morph the two together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Greggy T, how is the fasting going, sir? Listen, I'm a fan. Um, Ever since I started, you know, watching kyle's instagram page and and listening to what he has to say about fasting being an old school meathead mentality it's it's just thrown my whole world upside down in a great way so i i do fasting once a week one week i'll do a 24 hour the next week i'll do a 36 like we said before off camera having great workouts i feel great definitely leaning out not as bloated and i just feel a lot more clear so thank you, right. Kyle. Yeah, you're welcome, man. It's it's a game changer. I mean, if you would have talked to us 15 years ago, we would be like, "You're crazy." Yeah, me too, man. That's how <laughs> I was until I until I just dove into it. Yeah, exactly. All that, but it's good to see your experience and you know that or just that it's myths. Absolutely. Well, I'm not there yet, fellas. But uh, you know, uh, <laughs> we'll get them. We'll mind. get them. We'll, we'll get them. On- you're on my mind, so I think about you guys every time I eat and have a nutritious green juice as I got into my juicing. <laughs> uh, but gentlemen, before we begin, um, as customary on the Empower Man podcast, we want to give a shout out to our men and women in blue, our firefighters, our EMTs, our first responders. We want to thank you all. We love you both all very much for keeping our community safe and protecting us. Absolutely. And always a shout out to our military personnel here at home and overseas stay safe and thank you very much for the ultimate sacrifice and providing us the freedom to do this platform and podcast awesome so kyle you were on last time and it was such an awesome amazing interview um you know like greg had mentioned earlier like our minds were just totally uh just transformed blown anything else that you know blown away with all the great information um, that you provided us, but I actually want to scale back more into your background before we get into other things. Um, you know, you said you mentioned basketball was your main motivation to get into weightlifting. And, um, you know, when you were in, in the weight room, who were some of the people that you look up to or you idolized? So when I started out, it was, you know, we would go through all the magazines, right? The magazines were still, I don't even know if they still make them, but all the, all the traditional, uh, muscle magazines, we'd read them. So at the time, obviously Arnold, you know, I had the Arnold Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, read his stuff. So he was he was probably the biggest influence, but then you had Dorian Yates, you had Ronnie coming yeah. up, you know, those type of guys, Kevin Lavroni, Sean yes, Ray. Yes, there he is, that's my boy, I, I, yeah. that's my favorite. Yeah, all those guys, man, Flex Wheeler. Uh, so we used to follow all them, man, and really just kind of read what they were doing. Even though you know most of the stuff was ghost written, it wasn't really them. It, <laughs> it was good, man. We were into that culture, you know. And then as time went on, you know, started studying the first book I ever got, which I still have upstairs. As far as like strength and strength training, like a real book was a, a book by Leo Costa and Tom Platts. I don't know if I mentioned that last time. It's called mm-hmm. Big Beyond Belief. Doctor Squat. Yeah, awesome book. Awesome book. Um, 
and that formed a lot of my training philosophy early on. I was doing that in high school, you know, coming into my senior year and then just kind of took it and ran with it. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, obviously, Louis Simmons, you know, became buddies with Louis. Uh, Jay Butler, who's his train coach at Rutgers again, his second time around. So I interned with Jay 20, literally 20 years ago when he was there the first time and he came back with Coach Chiano. So, you know, he, he was a big influence, Scott Abel. So I've, I've been blessed. I've had a lot of really good coaches myself, John Meadows. Learned a lot from Charles Poliquin in person a few times. So it's been good. Getting Staying on the J track there, um, you had mentioned, uh, you know, you went on, you were at Rutgers. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jay is now the director of sports performance at Rutgers. Um, you know, when being in the industry myself, it's so important to have accreditation and uh, to be, uh, you know, mentored or and taught by people that are, are, are extremely credible to lend you credibility as well. Uh, you mentioned too, um, you trained under uh, Dr. Jose Antonian. Did I pronounce yeah. that correctly? Antonio, yeah. Antonio yeah. at NS, uh, at uh, Nova, you know, Nova Southeastern. And that was down here you were attended, right? So so Dr. Antonio at the time, this is before he became the head of the, uh, I think it was the International Society of Sports and Nutrition. He was at Delaware. So I went to Delaware. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he was my professor at Delaware. So, you know, became friendly with him then. Uh, way back in the day, I did an interview with him before, I think before podcasts were even a thing. So I have that interview somewhere, but <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot from him. He was very, very bright with nutrition and supplements. What do you think, what do you think set Jay apart? Like, I know what it's like when I try to find someone like yourself or other industry leaders that I go to for information and mentoring. What do you think set Jay apart? Like, why did you gravitate towards him in particular? Well, I was coming home, you know, it was my last thing I had to do to graduate from Delaware was an internship. So I just shot him uh, an email out of the blue and said, hey, I got to do 500 hour internship. I'm from New Jersey. You know, and at the time, that's what I was thinking and leaning towards being a college strength and conditioning coach. And he got back to me and, it, you know, I went in there and I was pretty much the same age as these these players, a lot of these players. But Jay, right away, you can tell he's very, very smart. I think he has an MBA uh, you know, very smart. He's huge. He's like six eight, six nine. Oh, is he really? Oh my yeah, so he's got, he's a big guy. He played for the. I think he had a tryout or two for the Giants. Oh wow! We actually graduated from the same high school. You know, he's about. I think he graduated early nineties. I was ninety nine, but he just had the presence. You know, and then I learned a lot with his programming because again, at that time, I was doing full full body, and I saw how you know, and I had the seed planted in my head that I was going to compete in the bodybuilding show the next summer. So I saw the way he was training the guys and I was getting to absorb everything, but he was very methodical, you know, based on a lot of stuff on percentages. So it was really cool seeing the way he did it. And when you competed in bodybuilding, what, what uh, conferences did you compete in? I was in MPC. I did uh, five, I did five uh, drug-free shows, you know, natural. So they give a lie detector test. So, you know, it's up, it's up to, you know, I don't know why they would compete in a natural show if they weren't natural, but you get that. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, the last two times I competed was in 2014. MPC was uh, the oh, wow. uh, one, one at Tribeca at the Atlantic stage, which is like, that's a big Oh, time. really? And the only reason I did that was I was doing the show the week after the South Jersey. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to take it, so obviously those are not drug free. So at that time, I'm using testosterone therapy, you know, but if I really wanted to push it at that level, I probably would have had to put on another 40, 50 pounds. You know, just because of my height, you know, six one. A lot of these guys in my weight category, I was a heavyweight. They're five, eight tops. So it was fun, though. Were you in the open or the novice? Like, what were you? Yeah, I did. I did the open. Uh, oh. The first couple times I competed, I did the novice in 2007. I won the, the novice overall in the South Jersey, and almost won the open overall. And then a week after that, so that year I competed twice as well. I did the Mid Atlantic. That used to be the big, the big show I would do. Um, and this guy, Tim Martin. So I thought I was going to have a good shot at winning the Mid-Atlantic that year. And I show up for the weigh-ins. I see this guy, and I'm like, and I I was not upset at all, but I saw him with the weigh-ins. I'm like, this guy is unbelievable. And we're in the same weight category. He, he won the overall. He wound up winning a team universe a, a year or two later. We became good buddies. His name is Tim Martin. He's IFBB pro now. Oh. Uh, he's 55 years old. The guy's, I mean, he's always in shape. I mean, this guy would... Uh, so at the time, the team universe was the number one natural contest in the world. But this guy, I mean, he would compete in every open contest, every, uh, and he would just mop the floor. So it was a world-class bodybuilder. And we became buddies. We trained together. Uh, I was his backstage guy for the team universe in 2009 when he won it. But uh, 
Yeah, you just know. But I, I put everything I could into that year in particular. That was 07. Like, there was nothing else I could have done. So I wasn't upset at all. It was just, man, this guy's better. Uh, so it was, a, it was around this time that the seeds of fasting were starting to get planted in regards to, uh, like, a lifestyle or a way to kind of uh, – because I, I know doing the natural shows, I competed as a teenager, so I know, like, the yeah. challenges that you go through. Is this around the time where fasting started creeping in in regards to saying, hmm, this might be a way to prepare for these shows and actually get an edge on some of these it was it was in the 2014 shows is when I was about eight weeks out and I was just always researching. And that was when it clicked. I was reading something by Lyle McDonald, who was kind of a uh, like a Dan Duquesne type guy. Yeah. And it just clicked, you know, and I, so I was tracking everything and I went from four meals. because so I was eating so little food. I had messed up my, my metabolism so much the prior year from starving myself to try to get ready for these shows yeah. through improper guidance. So I'd be eating 15, 1600 calories a day. That was the only way I could get ripped like that. Yeah, I took that and I, I was as soon as I read it the next day, I switched to a sixteen eight protocol, um, and I same amount of food, but it was two meals, and instantly things became easier. So I knew I was like, I was like, man, I was I was excited, I, you know, I'm on to something with this. So I was really excited at that point, and I continued on from fourteen to two thousand nineteen with the sixteen to twenty hour fast each day. And in 19 is when I really uh, dove back into the research. So let me start doing longer form fasting. Let me see. I didn't know anybody that was doing it, but I said, let's see what happens. And that's when I developed a panda. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fasting was so shunned. I think back then it was oh, yeah. just a, looked at as so negative. Yeah. And it's cool. One of my uh, best buddies got a, a gym out in Chicago, his fiance, you know, I got her and him. They started doing the panda a couple of years ago. She just won the overall at a bikini contest fasting doing the panda method. Nice. So it's completely applicable and it works. If I ever competed again, I would do that and, and show people, look, you can step on and it, it would be much much easier process. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Much that easier. Diet was awful, man. Oh, it's a terrible. It's a worse. chewing gum and, and, and drinking coffee to kill the cravings of hunger. Yeah, I, oh, I would go to sleep. I would go to sleep <laughs> chewing gum, man. I would I would it's my treat. I get to have four pieces of orbit gum. And I'd sleep with the gum in my yep. mouth. <laughs> but yeah. I, I miss those days because we were oh, so yeah. innocent. And so it was, we, we all we saw was straight in front of us. We didn't see other alternative yeah. methods. It was like Listen, protein, it was, You guys are disciplined though. That's a positive. You guys <laughs> oh, yeah. were focused and disciplined. So it's yeah, a good no thing. Doubt. I learned a ton from that, man. I mean, it was unbelievable the, the, the levels, you know, that you went to getting ready for one of those shows. But yeah, that discipline, you know, was a blessing to learn all that stuff. So, so being an athlete like yourself, um, and, and you see a lot of athletes now in, in all sports, they suffer or kids suffer like an injury and you had a really, really serious knee injury. Uh, take us back to that time when you hurt your knee. Um, what was going through your mind? Because th this, you had the, you know, a, a great mindset going into it. You're disciplined. You sound like you're innately driven intrinsically. Um, then you suffer this injury. T take us back to that time and tell us what happened with that injury and just some of the things you were thinking about and, and how you were sure. able to overcome that. Yeah, that's a great question. That's actually, because that ties into the facets. So it was 2012. I was still a teacher. So I was a phys ed teacher for a number of years and I was oh. running the gym. Um, and you kind of just burning the candle at both ends. You know, I had an intern on and off, but I would go, I would train people before school. I would go to teach all day, go right back to the gym, train people. And that was my schedule for years. And then it was April. I got a really bad case. I was playing in a men's basketball league game, came home, played, played awesome. Oh, yeah, you know, I love basketball. Yeah. And came home, though, and I was like, no, I don't feel good. And I came down with this really bad case of pneumonia, which I'd never had before. I don't know what the heck it was. And, you know, you couldn't even touch my skin. Everything just hurt. Yeah. So I wound up missing like a week of school. Um, two weeks later, yeah, I'm like, okay, I feel pretty good. Let me go back and play again in the men's league. Now, my lungs felt fine playing in a different men's league. And it was a late night game. And I'm sprinting down the court after one of my students at the time, her father, he was on the other team. He was on a fast break. So I sprinted, boom, my leg just, left leg feels like it explodes. I, no, I went down, bizarre feeling, man, because I never had any, you know, I've, I've had very bad ankle sprains up to that point, stuff like that. But Go down, the guys are coming up, you know, they're all covering their eyes when they come to look. I'm like, shoot, man, this is bad. Uh, excruciating pain, though. And 
I thought maybe I dislocated my leg, you know, the lower and upper part of the leg. I had no idea. They called the ambulance. They called the game off. They called my wife. She wasn't at the game. She meets me at the hospital up there with my parents. And the doctor, was, it was just the ER. They did x-rays. He comes in after a while and says, it's your patellar tendon. Now, I'd never heard of anybody that did that at that point. Yeah, obviously, you know, ACLs, all this type of stuff. And I started crying on the spot just because I was like, shit, man, I'm in this field. And I'd never even heard of this before that somebody could do this. I just knew it was bad. Again, that was my livelihood. I was, I was a phys ed teacher and I, you know, I had the gym. So the first weekend I was really down, you know, before we were looking for a surgeon. You know, we went to one place, didn't like the guy's bedside manners. My dad got me into a guy that we knew. Uh, we went to see him, Dr. Getcha. So before the surgery that weekend, I was just really in the, down in the dumps. And then as I, I had the surgery and whatnot, so the, the injury wound up being, so normally when you have a, a, a tendon rupture, it's an avulsion fracture, it comes off the bone. Like when Kobe Bryant did his Achilles, right? right. He's able to shoot foul shots, all this stuff. Like usually the tendon will just snap and take a piece of the bone. So the pain isn't really there. Like people say, I'll rupture Achilles, the pain. It, if the tendon's still intact, because I have all people all over the world I help recover from this now it's essentially two different injuries if it comes off the bone or if it snaps in half mine snapped in four middle and vertically you know horizontally vertically it band snapped three ligaments knee capsule blew out so just a gruesome gruesome injury and then it comes that there's nothing i could find on the injury like i'm looking everywhere to, you know, after the surgery how do you recover from this they're treating it like an acl but there's nothing online about it i found a forum and everybody was really negative in there about it and at that point, too, I had talked to Louis Simmons prior. You know, I called him, and, and uh, if, this is a couple of years prior. And I found out that he had did it in, like, 1982. So I called him and said, Louis, you know, I ruptured my patellar tendon. So he gives me all these protocols to do. Thank goodness, man. I followed what he said. So four months into that, into that recovery, I was at 72 degrees range of motion. So I'm at the point, like, I don't even think I'm going to be able to use my leg again. You know, and this is what they're saying, man, you got your leg is going to be what it is. And I wound up documenting everything, you know, wound up recovering. I wrote a book on it. That's a book that I sell all over the place that helps people with this injury. And that was when I decided I was going to compete again in 14. So I so said, I'm going to go compete again and put this behind me. And I wanted my wife to see me compete. So it was because of that kind of led to the fasting. And then I competed in 14, two months after that, playing in the men's league. I did the same exact thing to my right leg, same injury. No way. Same thing, dude. It was the, the tendon and four, IT band, oh. three ligaments, knee capsule, identical oh. injury. So I've been through it twice on both legs. Now, at that time, when that happened, um, the guy, you know, my wife was at that game, and, and I'm hitting – I knew as soon as I, I jumped up, leg was gone. Landed, leg bent out at 90, so there was nothing left. And I'm hitting the floor. I'm saying, come on, please be my ACL. And they're like, why is he saying that? She's like, because he knows what it is. <laughs> They wanted, they called an ambulance. We turned it down. We're like, we know what it is. We called my surgeon. He said, come in tomorrow. I remember for like that night, that night, my wife, you know, let me feel bad for like five minutes. And then she's like, no, you know how to do this now. And we went into my surgeon, does the MRI. And he called me that day with the reports. And the guy was distraught because it's a rare injury. It's a, it's, a, it's a very rare thing. He said, I can't believe this happened again. He's going on. And I said, Dr. Getcha, it's fine. I said, I know exactly what to do. And um, even when I was going under for the surgery, I said, said that to him. He's, you know, he's I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, listen, I got this, man. I said, I know exactly what it is. It's a blessing. So he actually wanted me to come in and talk to his, his medical team about mindset after that. And a cool thing was, you know, because just with the field I'm in, I said, hey, even with the first one, I said, can we do uh, PRP therapy on it? He said, well, it's not really designated for this injury. And normally, you know, if you've had that, they'll inject it, right? So what he did is he, he said, we'll do it experimentally and I'll use it as a write-off. He took mine, spun it. So it was like a gelatinous, like silver dollar. And he sutured it right on the front of the tendon while I was cut wide open on both legs. Oh, wow. And then a couple of years later, I had, a, you know, I was jumped doing box jumps and my knee popped, but not like that. Not, nothing bad, but it was swollen and locked. Went in, he's like, I think it's a bucket handle meniscus tear. So he does an MRI yeah. and he says, well, it's a baker cyst. But a lot of times you have these knee surgeries developing. Yeah, and a rupture, right? So that's happened to me a few times. But he says, but the good news is because your tendon is now twice the size of a normal tendon. So I don't know if it was a recovery or the PRP therapy or whatnot. So I thought that was really cool, man. That's get that feedback. Explain to the people listening um, what they did with your that part with your blood. 
So they take your blood. I've actually had it done other places since, and they spin it, right? And, and they pull out the uh, plasma-rich platelets, and normally they'll inject it back in, and it, and it really stimulates healing. So with mine, they took it, and, and that surgery spun it, so it was like jelly, and he just sewed it right onto the front of the tendon. But it's got really fascinating uh, and very good healing modalities. A couple of years, it's 2019, uh, right before my daughter was born, because today she's four, so I know it was... Uh exactly four years ago i had two tears in my right shoulder and i tore my tommy john ligament in this elbow and we wanted we did prp therapy on that and it worked you know it took a couple months yeah. uh, but it, but it worked so i'm a big fan of that i hear nothing but good things about it so it's yeah cool. it's cool to see your perspective did you hear it your when you first did it playing basketball did you hear any noises a pop or a tear or anything it, it's everything kind of slowed down man it was just almost obviously i've never been shot but it feels like the way i explain it, it's like somebody shot me in the leg with a shotgun because it's just gone like when a patella tendon goes there's no support like you can't walk because there's just there's nothing nothing connecting really the upper and the lower leg for support yeah so it wasn't a, a, a pop or anything but it was a sensation of boom so the second time when i jumped i knew on the takeoff that it it was just gone so when I came down and landed, that's where the leg went out to the side. There was just nothing to stabilize me, you know. Wow, that's incredible. That's yeah, incredible. yeah, it was pretty nuts. But I learned a ton. You know, I learned a ton from it. Yeah, and, and with all the alternative therapies that are out there, you know, and especially with the um, the pharmaceutical industry and a lot of our traditional ways of of people treating things are under fire. You know, there's a lot of doubt, a lot of suspicion, lack of public trust. I, it's important for people to hear this because I think you and I are on the same page in regards to strength, conditioning, health and wellness being the um, w one of the ways you can probably mitigate half of your health risks that are out there. Is that pretty safe to say? A thousand percent, man. You know, and, and all the years in the gym leading up to those injuries, you know, that was like a big reframe. I'm like, this is what I've always trained for you know, is how are you going to mentally overcome this, right? And just the ability to to realize that, like, and I tell people, listen, you never stop training. I don't care what the injury is. Like, there's video on YouTube, maybe the first one before the surgery, because they put you in this stupid brace that's like a metal brace with that injury. Mm. And I'm in there training, dude. I'm training upper body. And, and with the second time around, I, I, I was cool because I got to apply everything. I was like, all right, I'm taking my book and I'm applying everything. I'm going to prove it. You know, so I did it and I was in there training. So guys, now I'm like, listen, you're not going to have the range of motion for a while. Let's train the posterior chain. We could do RDLs. Keep training upper body That's right. because it's so good for the blood flow, right? And That's the healing right. mindset. So a couple of things that, you know, I was able to apply from that as far as modalities was you always keep training. I never, the second time I didn't use any ice, right? Because I did all this research on it and I was like, and so I tell people, I'm like, you never knew. And it, 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 so I research where did that come from? Why do the people are told to use ice? So I only use heat, compression, movement, and it did it healed way, even way quicker, you know, the second one. And then if you, you know, so one of the things Louis told me, I might as well tell you guys. Louis said, well, listen, you know, because obviously at that time when I ruptured the first one, I was on testosterone therapy, mm. which degraded the tendons and ligaments. So you'll see that with a lot of pro athletes because the muscles kind of, the tendons and ligaments don't grow at the same rate. So then we're looking, okay, was that a possible cause? And I was only using 200 milligrams a week. And they're saying, well, it's got to be usually like 300 and up. And I think it was genetic because my brother wound up partially tearing his patella tendon. My dad tore his patella tendon after that too. So it's like, it's just a weird genetic thing. I'm, I'm assuming. It's a family thing with you guys. Family thing, dude. Strange, <laughs> right? And, and Louis says, so he goes, listen, uh, get on equipoise. It's going to help with the healing. So I started researching equipoise, EQ, which is a derivative of just, you know, all these testosterone. Mm -hmm. So equipoise actually increases uh, collagen synthesis by up to 300%. It's unbelievable. So the first time around, when I was stuck at that 72, started using equipoise, got it through my buddy. And I started going again at 10 degrees a week, back in range of motion. I'm like, holy crap. So when you look at guys like, like Kobe and A-Rob, Back in the day, right, when they would go to Europe and they would spend time in Europe in the offseason saying they were getting PRP therapy. They weren't getting PRP therapy. They are going because over there, they're much more liberal with that stuff. They're doing stuff like EQ therapy and whatnot, um, which I tell guys. I'm honest with guys. I'm like, listen, because they'll ask me about peptides and all that. And I'm like, yeah. listen, I don't have much. I'll tell you what I have experience with. And that stuff was un unbelievable. It works. It, it works. works. 
<laughs> words, you know. So Louis shared that with me. That's awesome. Um, we was talking about Westside Barbell. I've, yeah. You know, they're a, they're a legend, and you know the whole, the whole Louis Simmons, you know, um, and and all the crew over there. Um, how much of an influence did they have on you when you went to go start your own business? It was huge. It was huge because um, I think I had first actually heard of, I think I'd heard of Louie, but then I was a big fan of Joe DeFranco. You know, Joe's yeah. from Jersey also, so I learned a lot from Joe. And he would keep mentioning the conjugate system and all that. So then I got, you know, I was going through my shed the other day. I got all the West Side books, all the DVDs, and, and then I really went down that, that conjugate method and all that. So that was a huge influence because I loved, you know, just again, the conjugate system. And to me, Louie was a genius, you know, blending all the two styles of training and he, he was just something else. I actually went out there and trained in uh, 2000, I think it was like 2017, maybe I went wow. out there and trained. And the one day we went out to train, it was when I was going for a 400 pound bench. He, uh, it was, he was, he was never sick, but he was sick that day. So they said, they said, listen, Louie didn't come to breakfast this morning. So he's probably not going to show up today. Me and my buddy were like, whatever. So we got to train with these other people that were really nice. But it was cool, man. We went out there and trained. But yeah, Louis was a huge influence. He was uh he was one of my definitely what I would call fitness mentors. <clears throat> did, you, did you know Dr. Tom Bolella? Yeah, Tom a few times. Yeah. Yeah, Tom's he, from New Jersey. He was my guy. Oh yeah. He, I used to go up to Red Bank and I used to when yeah. I was living in Washington, I used to go up there and uh yeah, uh he he uh he really helped me with my nutritional coaching. Sure. And and I actually wanted to lead into that as well. Um when you're when you're when you're um, when you're coaching people on nutrition, you know one of the things that Dr. Tom always talked about with me was brain chemistry, and your neurotransmitters. Sure. And you know we we've done the Braverman personality test. When you're doing mind mapping and preparing someone for fasting, do you get into the um, the chemical the the neurotransmitters and the chemical design of our brains, and from there maybe ascertain which fasting program could be appropriate for each individual? I talked to them about that with mind mapping, as far as how most you know most of your neurotransmitter production is in the gut, and I talk about how gut health is important to that, right? So then I kind of dive down like it's one of my first lessons when I take people through a panda challenge is listen, guys, your gut's probably inflamed if you're eating constantly, right? We got inflammation, eighty percent of your your immune systems in your gut, all this stuff, right? So I we talk about digestion, but then I don't go into okay. Uh, the brain chemistry as far as getting them a test as far as what type of you know are they high in serotonin low in serotonin something like that because for me just what i've seen over the years i have not seen the panda what i do with the panda diet not work for somebody that's done it right so i know because inflammation is going to go down in the gut then what happens with the neurotransmitters and all that they just start feeling better right so i, I really keep it simple but i do explain that to them you know how to you know the gut feeling the second brain the importance of getting information down and lower within the gut. And then you, you see the mood elevate and all that stuff. So I am not a big fan of antipsychotic drugs. I think a lot oh, of yeah. them, some okay. people need them. Some, some people may need them. They may have well, a, a severe form of that, but I really believe, you know, with exercise and nutrition and diet is really the key to overall holistic wealth and peak performance in whatever you do. Um, what are your thoughts on fasting when it comes to um, helping out with depression, helping out with anxiety, helping out with certain types of even high blood pressure? They all kind of work together. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I have anxieties and, and other things as like other men and women that are listening to the show. So how, how do you feel fasting helps with those types of um, challenges that people may have? We, on the physical plane, I think it helps, again, with healing the inflammation in the gut. I think there's a, a distinct connection with the, the, the gut and the emotional system and whatnot, right? So I think it helps there for sure. Now, there's a couple of things as far as how I tie the mind mapping into the panda diet. If the anxiety, and, and something I've been doing, me and my wife, and I've, I've, I've been studying is the 10X health, like we did the genetic test through Gary Brecco, which is very interesting. So I think there's some credence, definite credence from that. But if the anxiety is really just thought-based, right? Like sometimes it's, it could be genetic. Like my wife, she's always had, you know, but she has gotten a lot better since she's been fasting. Like her anxiety is way better. But if it's a thought process where we're just constantly thinking out to the future, that's where I use the mind mapping, right? So the fasting ties into that. The fasting, the biggest benefit to me, obviously you get all the health benefits, but you really, over time, the longer you do it, you have to really become a master of the inner dialogue. Right, you got to be aware of your thoughts, 
and it's the same reason we would meditate, right? It is is not to uh, quiet the mind necessarily. It's mental training for like, wait a minute, I'm starting to get a little bit of anxiety. I've never have like suffered suffered from anxiety as like a condition, but if I if I feel okay, why are you feeling this this anxious feeling? Well, you're thinking about two weeks from now or a year from now. How are you going to figure this out? So I make people aware of that through the inner dialogue, and then so I tie the mind mapping and the fasting together. If it's a genetic thing, I know doc, uh, not, he's not a doctor, but Gary Brecker, he goes through all that stuff in his courses and whatnot, which again, I think is really cool. And it could just be a deficiency of a certain, uh, like for me, the big thing was a uh, methanione I have to take. So I was, I got, I came up red in one of the tests, which means I'm deficient from both of my parents in one of the five genes. And to me, that kind of manifested in like a racing brain, right? So my wife will like, I could switch topics like, like, crazy like a pinball you know pinball machine and it's been a lot better since i've been on it you know it's been a lot better i've been able to just be calmer and be more present you know and, and not be all over the place so it, it depends on what the cause is but it definitely i think helps because the inner dialogue well greggy t i i have you know i'm always come prepared and kyle like i've got man pages of questions greggy t yeah Feel free to interject yourself, um, please. <clears throat> I'm going to switch gears to more business questions because we sure. get them a lot. How did you know or how did you mentally prepare yourself to make the transition from your nine to five, we'll call it, as, the, as a teacher in phys ed to going out on your own and taking that leap of faith, which Mike and I get a lot of this because we've both done it. We've done it numerous times. And how did you deal with that? Your question. So me and my wife knew that eventually, because she was a teacher too, that's how we met, that I was going to stop teaching. We okay. were going to try to push off until I was in the pension, vested in the pension. So I was about eight years in. And it was it was right after the first knee injury. So I missed it. That was April. And I was I think I was out for the rest of the school year because I was in a wheelchair, made a wheelchair, all this stupid stuff. You know, not able to teach phys ed, obviously, to little kids with this, this injury. And so it gave me a taste of not being, you know, uh, going to school every day to teach. And then that fall, I'm back. I went out to a mastermind in Arizona through a, uh, this lawyer's mastermind. I met at a Dan Kennedy seminar. It's random. You know, he invited me out. Went out there. There's probably like 10 to 12 business owners. Nobody else in fitness. But this girl came up to me at the break and she said, listen, you got to stop teaching. She goes, it's holding you back. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to. So when we, my wife picked me up from the airport a few days later. I said, hey, this girl said that I should stop. My wife goes, she's right. It's time. So this is October. So I was like, all right. So I put in, uh, talked to my principal. Who I was, you know, still, still close with. Nice guy. Very nice guy. Put in my letter of resignation to the superintendent. And it was a tough, tough decision because I love those kids. I love the families. Did you finish Super the school year out or you just stopped no, right there? I put it in. Okay. I had to, so I had to give 60 days notice. So I was going to take us up to Christmas break, mm -hmm. basically. So I put the notice in on a Friday and I'm at a seminar. I'm at another workshop um, that weekend. And it happened to be the weekend of Hurricane Sandy up here. Mm. I had no idea the storm was even coming. I don't I wasn't watching the news or anything like yeah. that. And Sandy comes in, basically rips the roof off the gym, right? And school is closed for the whole next week because it was just, it was a mess up here, but it ripped the roof off the gym. So the gym is now, there's water everywhere. The walls are destroyed. And this is right after I put my letter of resignation in. So I'm like, man, this is a test. This is a big test. So they had to move, you know, they had to find me an empty unit, which was a like a, a, a hell hole. It was no good, but I was in there and I, I've got, you know, now I'm, I mean, the clock's going against me. So they're showing me different units. And I wound up saying, oh, I found a unit that was twice the size of what I already had previously. Yeah, now I'm cutting my safety net with the teaching, but my father-in-law came with me to look at it. He's like, hey, this is what you wanted, man. Let's go for it. So I did it, you know, and it was it was a lot of just dealing with the, the projection of fear as far as really uh, realizing that fear is based in the future and the future doesn't exist. So I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm not going to die, right? Like, because everybody was telling me not to do it. Man, you got a great job. What are you doing? Everybody was saying, don't do it, don't do it, besides my wife. And I was, just did it, man, and it worked out. Yeah, uh, we hear it a lot. I hear it. Oh, you have kids. Don't do it. 
And what I hear in your whole story, which is awesome, support, 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 support from him, support from your wife, support from, that's the key, I think. It is. I mean, were you obviously a little nervous or no? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little, it, it was a little bit, but yeah, once I realized that if, even if it didn't work, I would figure something out, kind of took the, you know, any nerves away. You know, I was like, oh, you, you, you're not going to sit there and starve to death. If you had to go, go work another two, three jobs, you'll figure it out and you'll do it. Right. So it was um, once I made, I'm usually good at once I make the decision, I don't, I don't really even think about it anymore. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you for answering that. Yeah, of course. My other business question, you, you kind of said you were going to talk about it. How'd you come up with your logo? The panda? Yeah. With the, uh, oh. the flower? Yeah, so the yeah. panda, uh, it's it's interesting. So you have a couple of things. The flower is, what do I have it on here? There's a blue lotus. Yep. I don't know if you guys can see that. It's an unfolding lotus, which which is really represents really like the transition from the physical to the spiritual, like an unfolding transformation. And then the panda, so that the the simple logo I have right, that's a lotus. And then the panda, I don't know if I mentioned to you guys last time, it was like two thousand. 14, 15. I was a big fan of Ron Artest when he played. I like the old school players. Mm -hmm. Right. And he had, I don't know if he had retired at that point, but he had come out and he changed his name to like the Panda's friend or something. Something like that. The friendly, whatever. But I was on his email list somehow and I saw that he had a pearl. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I like the dude, man. I like that. Let me get the Panda hat. So I got a, his Panda logo, which is different. And I started researching the panda. I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's pretty cool, man. They didn't really discover it, the Westerners in the wild, until like 150 years ago. They thought it was a mythical creature. Then I started looking at, okay, the symbology behind the panda. A lot of people view it as cuddly, but it's also very fierce. I mean, it kind of relates to me as far as I'm, you know, I'm very compassionate, kind of people, but I'm also an extreme competitor, right? Just because I don't yell at people and all that stuff doesn't mean I don't have that. that. So I was like, I, I kind of connect with that. So it just kind of stayed within my head, this panda idea. You know, and then I started looking at the black or white. So I use the word decision a lot. It's black or white, you know, duality. And so then when it came time to develop the, the panda diet, I was like, what am I going to call this? And I was like, you know, the panda, the panda diet. And with the, the I thought the symbology with the lotus and the panda was fitting for me. So it just kind of came together. I had somebody online design it. And it's, we've toured with like, in the even within the past year, making it like more intricate. I'm like, oh, I like the simple one, man. It's just simple. You know, cool. Yeah. How did you start your first gym? How did you start it? Where did you start it? So when I was teaching, um, it was within, I was getting ready for that show in 07. So I was, the reason I came, so I had taken a couple of years off from competing, decided that uh, I was going to compete again. Cause I was really depressed at that point because I had this mysterious uh like gi issue right like ulcers all this stuff man and kind of came out of nowhere when all i went to the cleveland clinic went down to a place in tennessee looking for you know, experimental they thought maybe crohn's disease it wound up being something called tms it was basically psychosomatic not, not that i was imagining it but it was all stress induced right so anyhow with that i said i gotta compete again man i said i'm just in such I, I, I had no life i would teach and go home now getting ready for that show as i started getting ready for the show started reading like skip liqueur who was a big natural bodybuilder at the time yeah. he kept talking about tony robbins so i said oh, let me get this book and at that point i wasn't really into reading for for just self-development wasn't into reading at all really at that point so i'm getting ready for that show and i start reading tony robbins waking the giant within and i just it, a couple things as i'm getting ready for that show all the symptoms start going away i'm like oh my gosh man like this is right on i had been studying dr sarno's work but i couldn't conceptually get myself to buy into it so it showed me the power of the mind and then reading Tony Robbins, I'm like, man, there's a lot more I'm meant to do, you know, with my life. And when I was a kid, I had a, a lawn cutting business. So I had the entrepreneurial spirit. So it was within that getting ready for that show. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to start a business and it's either going to be personal training because people would always ask me about that or go back and also do, uh, you know, a lawn cutting business landscape. I always loved just being outside. And it was actually, I was leaning more towards that. And if for some reason I took the personal, you know, I went to, I said, oh, I'll go with personal training. You know, I'll do that. And that was kind of how it started. And I didn't know where I was going to get my first clients from because I didn't really know anything about that. 
and it would want to be in my sister-in-law's sister and her husband. You know, I had them online. They, I would send them programs and, you know, I was teaching and I remember talking to my principal, like, man, I just want to train people. I loved it. You know, I just loved the field. And I said, I'll do it for free. I don't even care. And I just started getting clients. Right. And I just stayed at it and, and grew it, trained people out of my car. Then I rented space for a very short time at a local gym. I wasn't working for them, but he would say, okay, you bring somebody in, pay me 10, 20 bucks, whatever. Then I built a studio in my parents' basement, expanded that, and then almost gave up a few times because I was getting so burnt out with teaching and that. And then I opened the first facility a couple months before we got married, like a standalone facility. And that was that was really how I got into it, though, was, was the inspiration from reading. You know, so all these things, even like with the fasting, they come out of deficits. You know, they come out of dark times in my life. Did you have to take any loans out or anything like that for equipment or how did you, how did you, no. how did you space it out and equip it? Yeah. I was fortunate that anything I made pretty much from teaching, I was putting back into my development in the business. Mm -hmm. So I'd be going to seminars. I'd learn how to marketing. I would just do I would everything, man, buying equipment. And then when I opened the facility, obviously I, I got still have them like elite FTS racks, like top of the line ones. And, there was a local uh, store at the time. I think they're out of business now, but they, they sold equipment. I knew those guys. And I was able to, uh, with the credit card that they had offered, was like 0% financing for the first 12 months. And I only needed at that point, because I already had a lot of equipment accumulated, but the racks and the flooring and all that. And my first facility was really only 770 square feet of gym space. So I only needed like $12,000 at that point of equipment. Yep. And so I, I put it on that card and then just paid it off, uh, which that's, that, that ties in too. I missed the last payment because that was during my knee injury. So I hadn't, I wasn't going up and down the steps. I was pretty much sleeping on the couch. So the bill was up there. And I remember I'll, you know, I'll put it in right before it's due the last one. I missed it. And then they hit me with that, you know, the balloon payment going backwards. And I'm like, so I actually wrote them a letter and they actually dropped it. They, they said, wow. you know, somehow I was like, man, this is crazy. And they, they never do that, man. But they're like, all right, you know, wow. we'll it. just pay that last month. I'm like, I, you know, I, <laughs> so it always works out, you know? Yeah. That's the key. It always works out. If you believe right. it, like you said, it, what I'm not going to starve to death. You know, uh, we, we believe in taking, you know, calculated risks, especially, you know, as we're all a little older now and responsibilities sure. and things have changed, but I think that's the biggest thing to keep in mind is that no matter what happens, it'll always work out. Always works out. I mean, that's simple mind mapping in itself. I think it is. Yeah. It is. If you believe that, that's what's going to happen. Yep. And, and now you have two gyms or did you grow your gym out to a larger facility? No, we, um, we do you have both. a membership basis? Like how does your, how does your business work in regards to um, the type of services that you offer? Yeah. So we got two gyms and, uh, we got, uh, we live halfway between both or two different towns and it, it's membership, you know, it's a small group personal training primarily. So people will, will sign up for nine times a month, 13 times a month, 17 times a month. And, and they go and schedule their sessions and they have a coach, you know, we have up to six clients for that coach in a session and they can modify everything for the client. We also have one-on-one, -on -one, but most people will try to get into the small group. So they'll pay anywhere between two ninety nine and let's say, 400 for the month, but rather than paying a hundred or $150 a session for personal one-on-one -on -one training, it's a great deal for them, you know, and then we do their fasting, their nutrition, you know, we offer them a lot of other stuff. So that's really the model. It seems to be, I think from what I've experienced, you know, Greg and I actually, Greg and I met at Equinox many, okay. many years ago when, mm -hmm. you know, Greg was in the training field and I, I stayed with it and did my own thing. And as I've, been on my own i've seen the different models i still like doing the one-on-one -on -one models me sure. personally but as now as i try to grow and expand there's only one of you and so many hours in the day and yeah. it seems like that seems to be the type of model um that people tend to use when they open up their own facility yeah. what advice would you give someone like a trainer who wants to be on their own that wants to get away from the corporate scene what advice would you give them when starting their business I would tell them to start studying marketing right away, marketing and learn how to write. You know, it's people get so caught up in the technical being a technician, but I started studying marketing early, you know, uh, got caught up with Dan Kennedy, 
all his type of stuff. And, and I fell in love with that, but I'm like, it doesn't matter how good you are, right? If you can't market it and you can't really convey and no one knows about you, you could be the nobody best. Nobody knows about you. And, and especially with content too. Like I think writing is, you know, it's same thing with marketing. It's such an essential skill being able to write ad copy or write interesting articles and, and daily emails. So I would say that, you know, wouldn't be anything in the field necessarily. And then I would join, I'm a big fan of, you know, you should be in a mastermind or have a coach. Totally agree with that. Yeah. People shun that as well. But I think it's more, it's more and more people, I think, are slowly getting into it now. I think, this is my opinion, it's almost like every Tom, Dick, and Harry now is a coach. That's why I hate using that word. But you're right. Every, coaches have coaches. Mike and I have said it a thousand times. Yeah. My coach that I used to have had a coach. His yeah. coach had a coach. It's, it's, I think it's very important and integral to scale your life the way you want to positively and moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big believer, man. I always got a coach coaching me. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important. Yep. Yeah. Especially when you stop learning, you stop growing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, Greggy T I'm going to kind of shift gears right now and talk about family. Put it, we third, about this? put it in third gear. Oh, Let's yeah, go. man. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things we tried to touch on last time, we touched on it quite briefly, and I know both of you uh, gentlemen have, have children. Um, I don't have any children that I know of. I uh, haven't gotten any weird phone calls or affidavits, so uh, I'm good on that end right now. But, um, Kyle, give us some of your – It's only uh, Thursday, Mike. There's a couple more true. days left in the week. That's true, and you'd be surprised how many <laughs> spam calls I get. Those aren't spam, Mike. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think it's Jacoby and Myers. <laughs> That's it. But Kyle, tell, being a parent, I mean, some of the there's so many challenges that are facing your kids these days, and Greg, your kids as well. Uh, give us some insight on on how you help uh, navigate your children through these challenging times that we're living in. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's not holding back from telling them what we think the truth is. You know, they see uh, how, how me and my wife lived. Like when we opened up against COVID orders, they were a little, obviously a little bit younger then, but they were, we'd let them know that, hey, daddy's doing this for this reason. You know, it's for freedom for you guys. And, and you know, painting the bigger picture for them. We talked to them a lot about, you know, they, they have, they were very fortunate to get to know my grandparents uh, on my mom's side before they passed. And Leo, my grandfather's a World War II vet. So the boys, you know, we really instilled that into them, what Leo fought for you know, what was the purpose? So we, we tell them about all that stuff. They'll ask about COVID stuff. They'll ask about vaccines and we tell them our views on that stuff. You know, we're not shying away from it. And we, I let them know like, Hey, you know, I have them watching stuff like predator stuff with Arnold. Like this is what a man should be like a masculine, you know, cause now what's the messaging, right? They try to emasculate everybody. So we, we tell the boys and then Emma, you know, she's only four now, but with her it's more and she's very articulate but it's, it's i want her to watch me and her older brothers and how we are and that we train and that we're we're we'll we'll do aggressive stuff right and that they're going to feel safe yeah like that's a huge thing totally agree with that i want my my daughter just turned four the other day nice. and i'm you know my other one turns two next week i think i'm sure you can agree with this we try to instill mind mapping in them young and to, the way to do that is lead by example. Like you said, yeah. my daughter who's four now knows when she goes to bed, daddy going to the gym tonight. Yes, I am. I want her to know routine, consistency, sacrifice, a little bit of sleep, stay in shape. I think this will all help mold her brain. I don't say she has to work out when she's older, but I think it'll naturally come to her. But I want to set that example for her. Yeah. Actions speak way louder than words. Absolutely. Yep watching and your thoughts on education when it comes to your children i mean this is for the both of you guys feel free to answer any any time um what are your as your children are getting older how are you and your wife preparing for um the educational challenges now that our children face because when we were all growing up it was like go to college uh get a four-year degree so you can get a good job now it's like you go to college you get a four-year degree and you're a hundred grand in debt plus interest and you're going to get a job that pays 40 grand Not anymore Hey, yeah, that's well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we should all you go know, back to school. Yeah, that would, well, I said even even before when Braxton, who he's our seven year old, he'll be eight in September. 
when he was born, you know, so this is before all the nonsense was front and center. I said, he, I'm not sending him to college unless he, there's something very specific that he wants to go for or he gets a scholarship and he wants to go. But I said, there's no sense in it. I'll save money for him to maybe travel, to start a business. The biggest part about college is a social experience, yeah. you know, being being on your own, which you do that other ways. And I, I believe it's just the whole system, you know, being an, you know, I was an educator and all that. It's based in the, uh, the Prussian model, which is sit there and take orders and stay in line, making factory workers. So this coming year to school right down the street where I went as a kid for a few years, it's, it's kind of out here in the country. Um, my wife really wanted to send them there for a year. You know, let's try it. So they've been in private school the past two years, like a homeschooling Christian school, a hybrid. And my wife wound up running the school and she really wanted to do it. I said, all right, we'll do it. I said, but if there's any funny business, that's it. There's one strike. That's it. They're out. Like I'm not playing around with this. And she's she's a master, you know, teacher, so she could easily homeschool them. It's more like I'm looking. Okay, once they get to secondary, there's no way I'm sending them to public school secondary. Then you know, not a chance. Um, so that's kind of my views on it. Is is just being very involved. We'll see how it goes this year. I think this school is going to be okay. I talked to you know my buddies on the township committee. They said, look, out at that school, you're fine. So it's more in the country. It's more conservative. <clears throat> um, yeah, we'll it's, see. It's we're in the same boat and. My obviously mine are a little bit younger, but we have to screen literally everything now. And it's, you know, where I am, you can't just take somebody's word for it. You have to go there yourself, sit with them, ask the important questions, listen. But yeah, I agree. Zero funny business, one strike, that's it. And we're debating already public school, homeschooling or a pod. A lot of pods are popping up here, thank God. Because yeah. just the, the literature and all the stuff that's being pumped out without our knowledge, and they're trying to keep it from the parents here, I have a real problem with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to be protective of it. Like I don't want that anywhere near my kids. No. No, man. I, yeah, that's there's no place for it. Yeah. Well, here's something that connects us all together. Kyle, you and your wife were teachers. Greg's father was a principal. Uh, my father was a math teacher, and my mother was a teaching assistant uh, for many, many years. And how do you feel, Kyle, since you got out of it, you know, just recently, you know, our parents kind of been out of it. Um, yeah. What what has been the biggest change in regards to the curriculum, you know, and the way it's it's changed? Do teachers have the same? Did you and your wife have the same autonomy to teach like our teachers that taught us and our parents had? Or is the, the local municipalities given a strict mandate saying you need to teach this, this and this or you're gone? I got out in 2012 and my principal, 2012. yeah, he's like, you're getting out at the right time. And I still, as what I was doing, I had complete autonomy, you know, being a phys ed teacher. And I did, you know, I would do all types of cool stuff with the kids, but, you know, hearing from my wife at the time, it was, they were starting to chip away at that and take away the creative aspect of teaching, which was teach to the book, you know, teach to this test. So I think they pretty much, it's not what it used to be. They've completely, completely stripped it. In the end, they want them to teach a certain thing, right? They want them to teach a certain, everybody's got to be in lockstep. I'm not saying there's not great teachers out there still, but but if you take away the, the autonomy, who the heck is going to want to do it? You know, that's what I look at. Why would somebody go into that profession now? And it's ironic and it's not funny, but we're all from that field or related to that field. I know my father passed, but I obviously I have a, really awesome relationship with my mom. I talked to her like 50 times every day. He would want nothing to do. And he retired at 36 years or 34 years, I think, in the system. He would want nothing to do with um, administration or the education system as it is now. And that's sad to me. You just basically said the same thing. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really, it's sad to see what's going on. It is. It, I, it is. And I think in some ways, just like a lot of the, the, the systems of, you know, the, the, the federal institutions, I think it, it's got to collapse. Yeah. You know, that's the only way. Collapse. Mike and I agree with that. You know, I think that could be the best thing that can happen. And then obviously they'll try to, it's like a snake, you know, you cut the head off the hedra, uh, it's going to grow back. This is where you got to have breakaway communities and whatnot. You know, yeah. let's form our own thing. Let's form our own financial system. Let's do this. Let's not go back into that system. I think it's got to get, you know, unfortunately worse before it gets better. And obviously I agree with the divide, but it is a divide now. And now you have, yeah. 
you know, opposite, you know, parties and whatever. And yeah. And, and who suffers for all that is the kids. And I don't, like you said, like I'm, I'm trying to shield them and, and have them grow up a certain way with certain view when they get older, they can think whatever they want. But right now in the, in the very important molding times of their brain, I don't want to see them, um, involved with any of that stuff and i'll be damned if there's a boy that's going to be in the girl's bathroom with my daughter that's game no. over right there yeah nonsense no i'm Please. not okay with that yeah thousand yeah. percent it's insane it's really insane and another thing that's insane too is how the nuclear family is under attack and you know the way that mothers and fathers are looked at or even addressed upon I believe I heard something in there about birthing parent or this thing and the way that they're trying to divide, right? If you want to change something, it's divide and conquer. They prey yeah. upon the most vulnerable, which is our children. So Kyle, how do you and your wife preserve that, the nuclear family? What are some of the traditions or yeah. some of the things that you and your wife do to keep that family nucleus uh, intact? Yeah, we talk about that a lot. I mean, that's what they did to the black community back in the 60s was that they took the father out of the home. You know, that, that's why we see what we see a lot in the African-American music. No father. The, you know, it, the father is such a pillar, right? So the father, and, and now they try to, what they do now with, with white families, they're trying to frame these the white male, Christian male, as the enemy, right? So they're trying to break that down. So me and my wife, what we do, we're old school. A woman has a role and a man has a role, right? Even if you look at the move of feminism, that what that really was, people don't realize that was really to say, okay, the wife should be working too. Whatever they could work, but what does that do? That 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 destroy. Not only does it destroys the home, it definitely weakens it though, because you know my wife now she's going to be the home. I, actually, her nickname I call her is Susie Homemaker. If she's going to be the homemaker going forward, just purely that's it. Like that's her her job, and she could obviously she's going to be an individual and have do her stuff right. But that's the most important job. So I could do what I have to do right. So it's like. The man should be the one to provide, make make the family feel safe. The woman is nurturing and take, taking care of the household and running that organization. So we uh, we're on the same page with that. We're old school, like you know. It, it, it's it, it, some people get upset by that, but I'm like, this is the way it should be. This is this is what it is, in my opinion. Listen, it's it's what you guys want, and you're on the same page. That's all that matters. It doesn't. Yeah. Who cares about those people that don't like it? Let don't them matter. do their thing. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yep. And you said it, Kyle, uh, Christian men are, are under attack, you know, and I'm starting to become more public with, with my faith, as I was sharing with Greg. Uh, last night, we had a conversation. And, you know, it, it's it's that type of peril that you face now, just for what you believe is the right thing, is now yep. the wrong thing, because there's so much um, filtration of, 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 of lies and and misbeliefs that are out there that are ruining our children. It is, yeah, yeah. You got You got. We we got to speak up. Yeah, you know? yeah. A lot of people stay silent. I think that's half the problem. Like no one wants to to step up and be that leader or take the heat or be the example. Yeah, and you see how that worked out with COVID. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And what's even more interesting, and I and I had this conversation yesterday. Unfortunately, like you know thoughts and prayers of LeBron James and his family, because no parent should ever have to go through that. But as strength and conditioning coaches, Kyle and Greg has an extensive background in strength and conditioning as well, you know, being an athlete and still is an athlete to this day. Um, you know, an 18 year old kid in peak physical condition going into cardiac arrest to me is it's, it's, uh, I can't wrap my head around that. And I, I just wonder if the vaccine now I took it, you know, the, I was in DC at the time and I took it cause I was scared more for my family. Cause there were a lot of unknowns that I didn't know about. And I regret taking it. I truthfully do. Uh, but Kyle, just, just kind of wrap things up here a little bit. Any, any thoughts on like the vaccine since we had, you just brought it up and, and oh, yeah. how it can affect your, your health. And now that you, what you're seeing a couple years afterwards. You didn't oh yeah. I, I, I saw through all that stuff from the get go. Like there was no question in my mind. Um, what I believe that was, you know, and again, you see, you bring up uh, Bronnie James, some of the best genetics in the world. Anybody that can't correlate that with the vaccine is is just being naive. 
or maybe it's just fear is blocking it, right? Because like you see, you got the vaccine. My parents got the vaccine. Um, me and my I wasn't letting me and my wife and none of my brothers, none of us even came close to getting it because I knew, you know, and, and people call it conspiracies all you want. But if you look at the research, you look at what uh, life insurance companies are putting out, the death rates now, the, the, the dramatic increase. I was reading a study last night, like 3,000 times higher than what the FDA is saying as far as heart conditions after the vaccine. And so it's like, it's and they're saying that there's different batches right a lot of them in europe were placebos there are certain batches that like super super high health uh, uh effects almost instantly within months after you took them so whether it was a, a depopulation weapon or whether it was i believe it was definitely nefarious i don't think there, there was anything uh you don't come out with a vaccine that quick it, it just doesn't happen and then so at that time too I went down a rabbit hole and I took a vaccine course by this uh, Ty and Charlene Bollinger. It was a ten, like a 10 module course at the time. Cause I was like, I, I like to educate myself on stuff. And then I started looking at all the vaccines, right? And the history of vaccines. And it's really shady when you start looking at all this it's stuff. It's wild. Man. My wife it's and not, I did the same thing. It's insane. It's a, what the hell? So like Emma, I think, I think she got stupidly. We let her get the, um, cause that was 2019. So it's before all that, but she got the shot in the hospital of, Hep like why are they giving kids hepatitis shots right yeah. come out? it doesn't make sense but that's all she got like and our kids don't get any more vaccines like they're you know cold and they're never sick you know they're always good and it's uh so i got a lot of you know views on the vaccine i mean look at jamie fox like you just start looking at this how many elite athletes since the vaccine has come out have dropped dead around yeah. the world mainstream media doesn't cover this it's like over 1300. have you ever it's seen that creepy video on youtube <clears throat> it shows different people around the world just passing out and dying. They're all like falling the same. It's so weird. It's weird, creepy, man. So I I'll agree with you. you. Yeah, dude, that, definitely. So I was, and I'll tell you one more thing with that. You know, I didn't get the vaccine, but again, I always look at, okay, I listen to a lot of stuff. I'm always researching. So I was listening to his podcast back in November and uh, this guy, a health ranger. I really like his stuff. And he had a doctor on and they're saying, well, what about people that got the vaccine with clots and all this? What can we do? You know, he goes, well, listen, he goes, there's there's nothing uh, medically yet. But he goes, it's going to sound very strange. He goes, but we, we've known this in Eastern medicine forever, that there's compounds in your urine that can dissolve clots like very quickly. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So I started researching urine therapy. So I got books on urine therapy. I started, I started doing it the next day, man. So I was like, if it's that, and there's so many health benefits to it. So I tell people, I, you know, I've told, I'm like, listen, I'm just telling you this because it could potentially save your life, right? And people are like, I can't do it. I said, all right, whatever. I'm just telling you what, I, what I've learned through my reading and whatnot. Um, but so, it, you know, it led me to that, you know, in, in going down that rabbit hole. I've seen some of your videos doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I get yeah. a lot of that. That's probably the thing I get the most messages I was going to say, you probably get a lot of heat for that, right? It, it's heat, but a lot of people uh, sometimes, like one, I remember one guy's like, I'm unsubscribed. I'm like, fine. I don't care. Whatever, dude. That's fine. But other yeah. people are like, man, I didn't know other people did this. Or tell me about this. Why do you do it? You know, so I'll tell them. And I say, you can research it yourself. But, you know, here's why. You know, so you just, you know, you learn it, do it. But that's uh, definitely potential medicine for it. And I think as time goes on, I know my business model in regards to training is bringing the medical and the fitness communities together as a way for alternative medicine for prevention, longevity, optimal performance and you know we like i tell people when i meet them nobody ever said during the pandemic go out and exercise maybe you should eat better maybe you should you know go work on your diaphragmatic breathing or something like that that was holistically good for you it was separate keep them inside don't do anything and that led to people with drinking and other but the liquor stores were open mike that's the most yeah. important thing right the whole thing was a sham dude yeah man yeah and uh it, it's really uh, eye-opening you know here we are three going on four years removed and you know greg and i in the empowerment podcast with the election coming up next year we are going to be involved because we want to give the platform hearing from regular people like yourself and other people we want to give information straight from the source not something that's filtered from anything you see on television because yeah. now we need to have as much information as possible because i believe next year is going to make or break our country yeah. 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 Even one of the videos I made yesterday, man, 
I won't be shocked if there's no election in 24. If it doesn't Ooh. even make it that far, man. So you heard it here first. Okay. You know, obviously, if it happens, and, and I, I would, I, I'm obviously a big anti-establishment person. I would love to see Trump run with RFK Jr. That I think that would be awesome, awesome man. That would be awesome. Would be awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, the only vaccine that they should give is some EQ. Just saying. Yeah, it'd be great, dude. I'll support yeah, that. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so many things we, we, we can do. Now, Kyle, do you think, before we wrap this up, do you think RFK Jr. adheres to any fasting protocols or no? Uh, he's in good shape, man. He's in so, amazing shape. He's in great shape. <laughs> he's in great shape, man. I mean, he, he's, <laughs> he's in great shape, man. Yeah, you see the pictures with the shirt off. I'm like, how could you not want that as a leader listen like, i mean know. i work outside i work out outside in jeans with no shirt and bench press right and look great he looked awesome in that video that was yeah. wild sick he's like 69 years old too or yeah. something <laughs> yeah the no thing doubt. that's gonna hurt him because people are very superficial is his voice 100 percent. and he, obviously the establishment is trying to keep him at arm's length but that yep. that's a lot of people aren't gonna be able to overlook that yeah i agree with that well, uh, Greggy T, any anything else you want to add? No, not right now, but um, we can't thank you enough. And we have a lot of very similar viewpoints and outlooks. So I just want to thank you for your time again. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm sure we'll get some questions from this and we'll we'll send them over to you. So thank you, yeah. Kyle. Yeah, thank you, guys. We're going to do it. You know, keep it rolling, man. Keep it Absolutely. rolling. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, keep Veterans Day open because we are planning a big Veterans Day extravaganza. More to come in the upcoming days, weeks, and months. But would you love may to have you at that. Open. Okay, cool, yeah. man. And nice Kyle, little, it'll be a nice little trip down in Florida. I'll just put that out there, Mike. I won't yeah. say anything else. I'm bad <laughs> at right. secrets, so we love Florida, man. <laughs> that's right, where we can have some um, non-political IPAs and shoot the breeze. Yeah, yeah that'd be great, man. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, where can our listeners find you, follow you, reach out to you? I mean, you dropped so much great information to echo Greg's sentiments. Thank you so much. Uh, I've I've learned so much again, and um, you know, I, I can't wait to uh, to do another follow up episode with you, and because I'm sure I'll have a thousand more questions once I listen to this again. Um, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, the Panda Man official on Instagram. That that's where we have a lot of stuff. Same thing on YouTube. And then the pandamanofficial.com is the website. I'm updating some stuff on there, but they're going to be able to get on the email list. I send out a daily email with, you know, I call it infotainment. It's always entertaining. It's a story. And uh, that's it, really. Follow me at the Panda Man Official. And congratulations, breaking 90,000 followers on Instagram. That's impressive, sir. Well done. Thanks, Thanks. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be sharing the episode once it comes out with all of them. So. Yes, sir. I love it. Congratulations, Kyle. And if I want to buy one of your books, I can buy them on your website as well because you've written Correct. several yeah. books. Yeah. So because I'm old school, I still like to read. I have my paperbacks. So yeah, me too, man. Um, so I'll definitely be picking up one of your books. That's for sure. Awesome. Appreciate uh, it. Greggy T, anything else? That's it, sir. I want everyone to have a, a, a great day, a great rest of the week, a good weekend. Be safe out there and don't fall for any of the bullshit they're trying to feed you. Yes, sir. God bless everyone. Thank you, Kyle. Have a All good right, one. later, guys. All right. Bye.